It's time to mind your business with me, Jamila Lodge. Tune in to find out how to mind your business with BEDC, special guest entrepreneurs, industry experts, and more. Brought to you by BEDC. Bermuda business starts here. Welcome to Mind Your Business. I am so honored to have you in the studio. We are on Mind Your Business, and you are the Premier of Bermuda, the mm-hmm. Honorable David Burke, JPMP. Thank you for joining me today. No problem, Jamila. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. I do want to talk a little bit about your life as an entrepreneur before we get started into the questions. Um, I think you can relate to a lot of the things that we do at BEDC because you once were an entrepreneur. Now you're running the country, mm-hmm. which I guess kind of can be similar or the same thing. So we want to talk today about the throne speech, um, specifically around economic vision and entrepreneurship. Absolutely. So can you outline the government's vision for nurturing entrepreneurship in Bermuda, especially mm-hmm. in light of the initiatives that have been mentioned in the throne speech? Well, thank you, um, Ms. Lodge. And so you said about my entrepreneurial uh, background, certainly, and I'm no stranger to the DDC. That's right. As a long time ago, I would say I was actually on the board of you the DDC. <laughs> um, I think that was, uh, I want to say, in like maybe 2007, 2008. So it's been um, a small while. But life goes full circle. Um, but the government is, without question, committed to entrepreneurs. Uh, we're committed to entrepreneurs because we recognize the important role that entrepreneurship plays. Mm-hmm. And since we, we came into office, um, one of the things that we did the first year, which is something that I know a lot of entrepreneurs wanted to make sure we had, is that we eliminated, I remember my first budget as Minister of Finance, we eliminated taxes for all startup companies for their first year, mm-hmm. provide some, some breathing room and growth. And we want to continue to support. We increased support for the Bermuda Economic Development Corporation, increased the guarantee capacity, mm-hmm. the microloans, all those things of which we have done to make sure we can boost entrepreneurship that is taking place in Bermuda. And so from the perspective of the throne speech, this is about the growing of the economy, mm-hmm. while it's also about making sure that government works better for its citizens. Mm-hmm. Now, we have citizens, of course, and citizens can be entrepreneurs. That's right. And entrepreneurs must interact with the government of Bermuda. It's not voluntary, like in the private sector, where you can pick and choose where you need to go. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we want to make sure that we have a focus, not just on the policy changes that we make, mm-hmm. but also on how government works, how government serves people, mm-hmm. how government serves businesses, and to make it more efficient. So when we speak about the fact that we want to improve customer service throughout government, mm-hmm. whether or not that's in the Department of Planning, to make sure that it's even more streamlined. We've done some streamlining things before, mm-hmm. but we want to make sure we do more, making sure with the Department of Immigration, about labor regulation Mm -hmm. and about labor supply to make sure those things are streamlined and even as simple as making sure that phones are answered and responded to. And even in the space when we're talking about for businesses, Mm -hmm. such as a one-stop shop for permitting and licensing, et cetera. Something that I know that we've discussed uh, before (laughs) in the role that you have here as BDC and myself used to be minister of BDC, Mm -hmm. but also as minister of finance Mm -hmm. in regards to, you know, why do you have to go to three separate departments to go ahead and set something up? Why not just one department uh, to get to? So from those perspectives, I think that is the focus and what from an entrepreneurial perspective, Mm -hmm. I think the important message 
message of which we relate is the government's agenda is responding to the needs that are expressed by its citizens. And we have heard the fact that though, yes, there's incredible policy changes, such mm-hmm. as tax reductions and other things that have helped entrepreneurs, they also want to make sure that their interactions with government are easier and more efficient. And we plan to make sure that we deliver that during this legislative year. That's awesome. And I think you're uniquely poised because you, like you said, were an entrepreneur. So you understand the struggle. You understand the challenges. So you get to see it through both eyes, which I think is beneficial to the average entrepreneur. So let's talk a little bit about the Economic Empowerment Zones, Mm -hmm. because I think that's one of the initiatives that, as you know, BDC spearheads, but specifically to do some of the things that you highlighted. Can you explain how the creation of an Economic Empowerment Zone in Southeast Hamilton uh, will specifically benefit local entrepreneurs and startups? Well, I will say that I think the EEZs have been a great benefit uh, since their inception. I think they're probably going about 20 years now. Almost, yeah. Almost 20 years. I remember when I think it was when Premier Paula Cox was the yeah. minister responsible um, for, as I remember, BEC was under finance at that time mm-hmm. when these things were introduced. And so you have the East, the West, and we have Northeast Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is a view um, that was expressed through research in the economic recovery plan mm-hmm. that an expansion of the EZs to Southeast Hamilton would be of additional benefit uh, for whether it's construction, whether it's for business, whether it's for redevelopment, because we've seen a lot of development happen in far West Hamilton, right? Um, but not as much on this side in the North and in uh, the uh, Southeast. And so from that perspective, Minister Hayward has certainly been working with your board. Yes. Uh, to make sure to go through that measures of research. And I believe that those are going to be tabled in Parliament uh, very shortly. And so we'll be debating those. And I think that'll be in place uh, prior to uh, Christmas. Okay. Well, yes. that's excellent because, you know, at one point people were like, the whole island needs to be an easy. And I said, well. <laughs> I'm not going to get in that conversation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Because we'll I remember who one. said that. <laughs> and when they said it. Okay. Okay. So we'll leave it. Mm-hmm. But. Understandably, the idea behind creating economic empowerment zones is to create opportunity where maybe there hadn't been any before. It's to encourage development in those areas. Mm-hmm. It's to create incentives to to make people revisit those areas Absolutely. as potentials for starting a business. So um, if the whole island was easy, it wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily work. So well, I accept that. But I think I understand where some persons may yeah. be coming from. Yeah. But that would ignore the work of which the government has done for mm-hmm. small business. Mm -hmm. as I tipped off and I started by saying the fact that we eliminated uh, taxes for startup companies, which is something that was very big all the additional support that is had. But when we look at what happened with small businesses this year, mm-hmm. just during the budget, where small businesses got a 43% tax reduction, we have been focused on trying to do whatever we can to make life easier for entrepreneurs and for small to medium-sized businesses so they can grow and to flourish and mm-hmm. provide with those tools. And there will be nothing different in this legislative year. Yeah, and we appreciate that. So <laughs> I know the entrepreneurs appreciate it as well. Mm-hmm. So now let's switch focus and talk a little bit about digital and financial innovation. I know mm-hmm. that is, you know, when it comes to digital and mm-hmm. fintech and all of that, um, that is something that you're passionate about. So in what ways will advancements in the reg tech industry and banking reforms enhance opportunities for fintech startups and digital entrepreneurs in Bermuda? Well, that is very broad. Um, but one of the things that we know that our entrepreneurs are always faced with is that they have far greater hurdles Mm -hmm. for access to banking services and access to innovative services Mm -hmm. that exist in other jurisdictions that don't exist here. 
And we understand why, because of our size. Mm -hmm. um, you know, global companies may not be investing here, may not be doing things here for whatever particular reasons, because it doesn't make business sense for them. Right. But that does not stop the government from making sure that we are at least changing the laws to make it more likely that we can attract whether it's overseas players or whether it's local entrepreneurs who mm -hmm. want to provide the same types of service that they can build here and expand to other places in the region, whether it's the Caribbean or other um, small island states. And so from that perspective, when we talk about banking reform, mm -hmm. there are two particular things that are in there. One, the basic provision for banking services, which we know is important. Mm -hmm. Number two, there is something that was not particularly mentioned in the throne speech, but is something the Ministry of Finance is working on, which is the open banking initiative. Initiative. And the open bank initiative, which basically means that, which is what, which is the reason why they can build all those products mm -hmm. on top of banking services in the United States, in the United Kingdom, because there's basic standard banking um, protocols that are used mm -hmm. that you can build various fintech products on top of that. So, for instance, when you go to something and it has, you know, transfer and all the rest, yeah. you can automatically interact with any particular bank. The reasons why those happen is the open banking infrastructure is on the back end, and the Ministry of Finance has worked with the Bermuda Monetary Authority mm -hmm. to lay out those particular rules to make that happen. But let's talk about something else that banks uh, do in Bermuda, which they don't do overseas, which is something that we are bringing an end to, okay. and that is an issue of over-limit fees, just mm -hmm. something very simple. Mm -hmm. Whereas other countries after financial crisis, they were um, told, banks were told, no, you cannot charge multiple over-limit fees for cycle. Mm -hmm. You can only charge one mm -hmm. and making sure that there is reasonable fees that are charged for banking services. Okay. The throne speech spoke about the fact that we are going to bring in the regulations to make sure that over-limit fees are capped. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, the law that we passed last year allows the Minister of Finance to be able to reject fee increases that banks may put in place because okay. we know that entrepreneurs are seeing increasing fees for mm -hmm. banking services. Banking should be a basic right. You know that you cannot operate a business without banks, and we need to make sure that, that is more open and accessible. Mm -hmm. There was a proposal to say that this should be limited just to personal banking, not business banking. The government said no, because our entrepreneurs also matter, and so it's going to be extended across the board. That's great, because it is. it does... Every little cent helps, right? Absolutely. And so when you're trying to build businesses and all of that, like the fact that you're taking that into consideration mm -hmm. is appreciated and it's important. Um, let's talk a little bit. Let's switch gears here and talk about um, social entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. right? So how, in your eyes, can entrepreneurs contribute to social initiatives such as tackling homelessness and providing affordable housing as outlined in the throne speech. So social entrepreneurship is um, a concept that unfortunately hasn't taken as much hold as we would like for it to do in Bermuda. Correct. Social entrepreneurship was one of the things that was actually in our 2017 election manifesto where we spoke about the fact where there are persons who can, you know, do things on a social basis that can actually help and assist things mm -hmm. um, inside of uh, the community. Uh, one of the things that the government government is doing more broadly, and this is going to get very technical, but mm -hmm. um, during every year during the budget process, we do what is called a public value assessment, where we look at the various programs that the government is doing mm -hmm. and analyze whether or not those programs are best delivered from the government or best delivered by partnering with an external agency to go ahead and provide those particular programs. And okay. I think that's where social entrepreneurship comes in. Mm -hmm. We see the relationship of which the government has formed with the group home mm -hmm. on matters related to homelessness. We see 
in other um, partnerships that the government has formed, and we want to make sure that we press those things ahead. And so there will be more of those options, but I would hope that people understand what social entrepreneurship is about mm -hmm. and making sure that they can, through the BEDC and others, make sure that they're doing things inside of that area because there is the government should not be the space where all problems are solved. I agree. <laughs> it should not be the space. And I agree. Is, and that is something that we have to continue to repeat because, unfortunately, in Bermuda, people just expect, oh, there's a problem, the government should fix yeah, it. Oh, there's a problem, it. the government should fix it because yep. that means your taxes go up, that means more things have to happen, et cetera. And there are sometimes ways to deliver things that have more impact, which may not be through the government, which may be through the partnership and government support. You know what? I think that entrepreneurs are problem solvers, mm -hmm. right? And so... If there's a problem, I think our role as the BDC and then in government, you can tell me I'm wrong, if you, <laughs> is to remove the barriers that will prevent entrepreneurs from solving the problem. Absolutely. Right? So I think with, with regard to social entrepreneurship, I would agree. I don't think that we focus as much on that, but I think that there is a need, there is a demand. And I think through working together through policies and programs we put in place, then we can support or encourage more people to consider social entrepreneurship. I really do believe that. Um, I think there's an opportunity for us to really address some of the issues that we face mm -hmm. by doing that, by opening up the field and encouraging people to consider that. Now, I also want to talk to you a little bit about public service and digital transformation. Like, I heard this on the radio. I was like, finally! Mm -hmm. Well, <laughs> so, you're saying finally. I'll, I'll, I'll let you finish answering okay, asking the question okay. that I answer. So, I'll, I'll let you answer the question first, <laughs> and then we'll see if we're on the same page. So, what opportunities might the digital transformation of government services open up for tech entrepreneurs? So... The first thing I'll say is that the government has been embarked on a number of digitalization initiatives over the past few years. Okay. And there has been significant additional funds that have gone into IT infrastructure of the government. For instance, there is a whole slew of online services that are available that were not available before mm -hmm. that we built up during the pandemic and years afterwards through the forms.gov.bm site where there's a number of various online applications where people can go and do things. Um, in addition to that, there are some government departments that have moved entirely online, mm -hmm. such as the Department of Planning, for instance, where all of the interactions are done online and there's more that are moving in that type of direction. Mm -hmm. So from that perspective, that's important. When we speak about digital transformation more broadly, it's about making sure that we do more of that. How can entrepreneurs help and assist? Mm -hmm. There may be avenues. And one of the things that I think maybe we can do a better job of is making sure that when government RFPs go out, mm -hmm. that entrepreneurs that are inside the local space through the BDC at rest with BDC can be a part of that because yeah. there are programs that are happening. There are things that continue to go out and mm -hmm. we want to make sure that persons have the ability to assist and to add value where it is. But our main focus is at the outset is, right. as I said, the touch points. And so I outlined those touch points. One of the other things which we are going to be doing is going to make sure that the questions that are typically asked mm -hmm. by government, mm -hmm. we can use tools like artificial intelligence and others to make sure those are compiled and combined. And so those answers can be provided far more easily to persons without having to wait on hold, without having to respond for an email, et cetera. Those are things that have been done in many jurisdictions, many companies, and I will accept your thing that that is well overdue here. Yes. It's something we funded in last year's budget. It's something we've said that we're going to do in this year's throne speech. And it is my responsibility as the premier to make sure those things get advanced. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the thing I was speaking to specifically was mm -hmm. I heard on the radio Minister Ferber talking about 
um, digital fair media. Yes. Yes. And I was uh, like, uh-huh. okay. Absolutely. I mean, and governing is hard. Yeah. Governing is really hard. And I'll just be frank. I'll tell everyone what the holdup was mm-hmm. in the digital fair media process. Mm-hmm. The digital fair media process was held up because there was a procurement that was done. Mm-hmm. Um, there were 14 people who did reply. Mm-hmm. Um, and the company that ended up winning the procurement was a non-Bermudian company. Gotcha. And there were a number of Bermudian companies who made representations to the government's Bermuda that they should have been the ones that were selected. Mm-hmm. And so the delay from when that procurement ended in 2021 up until now was to make sure we went through that process to check to make sure that we made the right decision mm-hmm. and that the technology was future-proof. So mm-hmm. the cabinet did approve that today to move forward. Okay. Um, it is a non-Bermudian company, but we do know that it is an open infrastructure so that Bermudian companies and entrepreneurs can build on top of it and link inside of it for other things which they are building. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the important thing to note. I mean, we are a small country, mm-hmm. and by most by most standards, we punch well above our weight. Mm-hmm. Um, but have, because we are a small country, because we have kind of limited, um, IP or, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, technological resources, Mm -hmm. then sometimes you do have to look outside. But I think it is important, especially in our space, that we make sure that entrepreneurs do have access, right? You have the ability to see how can I fit into whatever the solution is, um, or at the very least, can I be part of the solution? You know yeah. what I mean? So it's, it's important, but I mean, at the same point in time, as you know, there's always a risk yeah. when someone is doing something the first time that versus the company that has done it 20 or 30 times before. You know, I understand the pitfalls yes. and all the rest. So, but the truth is we are moving ahead with that. Um, and people will see digital fair media, uh, next year. Woo, that's mm-hmm. exciting. I'm excited for that. Um, so let's talk about international relations and business expansion. Mm-hmm. How will exploring full membership in CARICOM potentially benefit Bermuda's entrepreneurs, especially those looking to expand internationally? Well, I think that's a great question because Bermuda has such a small market, and I think that the expansion internationally is something that I know is something that I spoke about when Mm -hmm. I was the minister, and it's something that we encourage. I know that we've launched the, um, or will soon be launching the Buy Bermuda site and other things to expose our entrepreneurs to global sales and otherwise. When it comes to uh, CARICOM uh, relations, we are an associate member right now. Mm -hmm. And we're exploring whether or not there are additional benefits that can come from being a full member of CARICOM and participating more inside of their single market economy. Now, there's a number of various things that we have to consider. But the view is that certainly, whether it's through CARICOM more broadly or over just with the associate members, Mm -hmm. we have seen a number of businesses that have expanded to the Bahamas and Mm -hmm. to BVI and to Cayman Islands, Mm -hmm. et cetera. I mean, we have big companies, you know, the Gibbons group and all the rest that are in Barbados Mm -hmm, and all the rest. mm -hmm. So this is nothing new. And we want to make sure that we open those opportunities. But I think what's also important is what people do not realize is that this is bilateral investment. Mm -hmm. It's not just about us investing there. It's about them investing here Mm -hmm. as well partner with our entrepreneurs. So there may be things that are happening in other jurisdictions where there could be partnerships with local companies here Mm -hmm. where they can go ahead and develop and upgrade here. And I think that's the mindset that people, we need to think about. We need to think more broadly. Mm -hmm. It saddens me how sometimes mindsets can be so narrow and say, oh, well, we're not Caribbean, we're not that, all the rest and all the rest. And without 
actually taking a step back to consider what has been done. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's interesting for me to hear some of the criticisms, especially from, I will call it, the established business community in Bermuda, mm -hmm. whereas they have been making money hand over fist by investing in the Caribbean and paying out dividends for many, many years. Right, right. And so I think we need to grow up. I think we need to examine where and we out. stand in the right. world. Exactly. <laughs> and also to say, how can we expand our reach to benefit our entrepreneurs both ways? Expansion there and investment inside of Bermuda. Exactly. And you speak about investment. I had the pleasure to attend the Global Entrepreneurship Congress mm -hmm. in Melbourne, Australia. Oh, okay. And met a, a, a lady from Guyana, mm -hmm. and she is familiar with investing and all mm -hmm. of that. And so she basically creates opportunities for her, her local entrepreneurs to get investment mm -hmm. from other um, jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. And so we had a whole conversation. We have a whole WhatsApp group about how mm -hmm. we could create mm -hmm. sort of an angel investment network within the Caribbean. And it is absolutely necessary. And there are so many entrepreneurs in the Caribbean, young entrepreneurs yes. in tech and others that are doing things. And you mentioned Guyana, mm -hmm. and this is something that people don't know. Do you know Guyana is the fastest growing economy in the world? Okay. Do you know that Guyana um, has recently discovered oil reserves that are more yes, than I UAE and Kuwait combined? Um, yes. They have a significant amount of land, and their young president, who is younger than me, has the ambition to make his country the breadbasket for the Caribbean. And within five years, he believes that he'll be able to produce enough food to feed the entire Caribbean with the investment of which they're doing. Wow. These are the types of opportunities. Opportunities yes. that are there. Now, yes, Guyana is far geographically, it's in South America, mm -hmm. but there are trade relationships that we need to make sure that we are exploiting. Our election manifesto said that we would explore deeper relations with the Caribbean, mm -hmm. explore deeper relations with Africa. The minister was just at an Africa CARICOM investment summit mm -hmm. where there is actual opportunity for investment from Africa to CARICOM countries. Mm -hmm. And so it's all these things that we must consider and think more broadly because our entrepreneurs want a market bigger than 65,000. That's, That's correct. The key point. And they need a market bigger than 65,000. Mm -hmm. And so if you're able to forge those relationships and create those opportunities, then I think we're both be winning, you know, on the Caribbean side as well as Bermudians. Um, so let's talk a little bit about sustainable development. Can you share insights on how the government's plan align with sustainable development and what opportunities this creates for green entrepreneurs? Well, green entrepreneurs are something that's particularly important, and we've seen a number of persons that are doing things inside of the solar space, but mm -hmm. there are more opportunities that can be inside of the broader climate economy. And so from that perspective, the Deputy Premier, myself, and also your minister will be headed to the UAE for a COP. Right, uh, 28, that's right. Uh, speaking about the work of which we're doing, not only in the broader base of climate finance, but sustainability is key because we are an island. Mm -hmm. um, and when we talk about sustainability, it's not just insofar as the green economy. It is also in regards to the blue economy, mm -hmm. which is something that is certainly being worked on. I think it is an impressive plan that's been put together for the uh, Blue Ocean Prosperity Initiative. Mm -hmm. And also from matters of agriculture here locally. Mm -hmm. You know, there was the... Um, there was the podcast yes. uh, where uh, your executive director was there along with the minister and speaking about the various items. And I know that the 
Ministry of Economy and Labor is working with the Ministry of Home Affairs to come up with an integrated agriculture strategy to boost agriculture. Correct. Those are the things which are necessary for sustainability. Mm-hmm. And I also know where some entrepreneurs who might be watching this may not be aware of the assistance that the BDC has provided to our local farming community mm-hmm. and will continue to do and will be supported by the government with investment. Mm-hmm. Because if we talk about sustainability, we have to make sure that we're doing more ourselves mm-hmm. so that we can be more sustainable. And anything that is grown, developed, caught, and produced here means that there's less money going overseas, Correct. which means there's more money in our economy, and that is somewhere where we want to be. Yeah. And so that is why those long-term plans are so important, and it's vital that persons are involved understand the economic benefits not only for the island as a whole Mm -hmm. but the opportunities it creates for entrepreneurs for sure because i feel like if we can create an opportunity for us to begin production of certain resources Mm -hmm. i mean granted we only have 21 square miles to work Mm -hmm. with but surely with the use of technology and other types of resources we can leverage the land that we do have to produce what we can at least for our own sustainability and goes Mm -hmm. back to what you said like any money that we don't have to send out Mm -hmm. we can keep and recirculate within the, the economy. Absolutely. So I, I definitely um, am looking forward to seeing what that shapes up to be because I think there's huge opportunity, especially in the blue economy, right? We're surrounded by water. Let's mm-hmm. leverage that. How do we do that? Um, now, let's talk about future prospects and challenges, okay? So looking ahead, what do you believe are the biggest challenges and opportunities for Bermuda's entrepreneurial community? Ooh, for the entrepreneurs, um, I think that the... I'm not sure if I'm going to go with challenges, to be honest, because I think that challenges are... Yeah, I think I'm going to go with opportunities. Okay. Because I think we know the challenges. The challenges are, you know, a small market. Mm -hmm. Uh, The uh, challenges are possibly limited funding opportunities. Mm -hmm. But those are all things you fix through policy. Yes. And so when we talk about limited funding opportunities, we talk about how much additional funds we've given to the BDC and Mm -hmm. the support of which we've given and the reductions in taxes Mm -hmm. of which we've uh, done. Um, When we talk about making sure there's more availability to invest, I think that the work of which you're speaking about, where we want to make sure there's an investor community and there are various things that are happening in the private sector, the public sector, to make sure that we can have more angel investment or Mm -hmm. other type of equity investment available for entrepreneurs. Um, But on the opportunity side, I think there is a better and broader space available for cooperative investment. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you will see unveiled by the government of Bermuda shortly is our view that pension assets, we have over $4 billion of pension assets that are invested overseas, and we want to make sure that people have the opportunity to use some of that to build businesses here and to invest. So imagine 10 of your friends coming together with, you know, $10,000 each, $100,000 $100,000 seating to start a business, a real business. You know, there's an entrepreneurs or stuff on the side, mm-hmm. putting stuff together, getting some debt financing, some additional equity financing from other sources and putting those together. I think that is an opportunity, and we want to make sure that we can grow and build so people have the opportunity to invest themselves mm-hmm. and to build wealth for future generations. But the only way that investment works is if you have a growing economy, if you have more persons living and working in the jurisdiction, more people to sell your goods and services to. Mm -hmm. And that is where the economic development strategy is so important. It is about 
a long-term vision to make sure that we continue to grow the economy, mm -hmm. build on what we have while expanding on new markets, making sure that we invest in entrepreneurship mm -hmm. while ensuring that our demographics work for us. And right. so from that perspective, and I think about opportunities, the economy is in a growth cycle. It is incumbent on the government to make sure that we continue that growth cycle. Mm -hmm. That happens by a continued reduction of taxes, which this government has done mm -hmm. for the majority of the citizens, reducing red tape, which is what this government has done in some cases and instances and need to do more of. Mm -hmm. And I have no doubt that we'll do that. And to see that the additional construction and housing and others have more persons living and working in Bermuda, which means there's more spaces for entrepreneurs to sell their goods and services to. I think those are the opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's important that entrepreneurs are invested in the economy and actually understand that a growing economy helps all. It helps entrepreneurs and a growing economy also reduces the cost of living and the cost of doing business because right. there are more people in the jurisdiction. That means whether it's Belco or the telephone companies, et cetera, or the insurers, mm -hmm. they have more persons to spread their fixed costs across, which means that we see lower prices. And that's the most important aspect, I think. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I can't disagree with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I definitely think that um, all of what you said is important, especially to the stakeholders that we serve. Right. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's, I think it's important to hear mm -hmm. it come from you, uh, to recognize that there are some things that can be better, mm -hmm. um, and there are some things that the government can do, but then it's not just up to the government, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> Absolutely, but I want to speak on something else which I think okay, is particularly sure. important uh, for um, entrepreneurs. Okay. And this is uh, another thing that was inside the throne speech, was mm -hmm. speaking about the Tourism Investment Act. Yes, okay. So when we hear about the Tourism Investment Act and we hear about concessions for tourism business, everyone's like, oh, it's only for big foreign yes, hotel owners yeah. and all the rest. That is not the case. Because inside of the Tourism Investment Act, when it was passed, it is not just for hotels. Mm -hmm. It is for restaurants. It is for clubs. It is for attractions as well. Those are all persons who are clients of the BEDC. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we talked about streamlining is we want to make that process simpler. So, for instance, if you are opening a tourism attraction, right. you may not have all the you know wherewithal that someone who's you know <laughs> investing a hundred or two hundred million dollars in a hotel to go ahead and put together an application for concessions. Mm -hmm. But through the BEDC and other arms, you may be able to put together a one-pager mm -hmm. saying what it is that you are doing and get access to those benefits. And those benefits aren't necessarily really known, and mm -hmm. we need to talk more about them. I agree. So from the perspective, restaurants, mm -hmm. new restaurants, get five years exemption from payroll taxes and customs duty. Refurbished right. three years. Attractions get three years. You want to open up an attraction, you get three years exemption from those things. These are massive, massive concessions that are in place. Mm -hmm. And we want to make sure that we do a better job of, number one, making it simpler. Mm -hmm. And number two, making sure that people know about them. And I think that's important because I do think that there is an idea mm -hmm. that it's not for, for me. It's mm -hmm. not for my business that I'm opening and mm -hmm. it's a, a new uh, experience. It's for the bigger businesses. I had the opportunity of speaking with Minister Vance Campbell about mm -hmm. it um, and just trying to communicate that it is it is for all of the, our stakeholders, mm -hmm. which are small and medium-sized businesses. And so I hope that hearing it from you, mm -hmm. <laughs> that they will take um, the government up on this, because that's the whole reason why you're 
doing the research, while you're having the focus groups to identify what is required and what is needed. And now they're in place. So we want to make sure that people take advantage of them, right? Um, you know what? We are like at the bottom. It's okay. been 30 minutes already. Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> Um, I still have all these questions to ask you, but perhaps we can do that at another um, interview. But I do want to thank you for coming out and sharing a bit of, of your view on how the throne speech and how the, the initiatives that the government has in place can support the entrepreneurial ecosystem and ensure that it continues to thrive and build. It, are there any last words of encouragement that you would like to share with the listeners and the viewers? Well, the only thing I would say is I just want to congratulate the BDC for finishing a wonderful Global Entrepreneurship Week. Thank you. I want to uh, thank you for your continued work, and I want to make sure the message to entrepreneurs is known. I am an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I never saw my parents work for anyone. (laughs) When I first came back, entrepreneurship is in my blood. Mm -hmm. I recognize that those entrepreneurs, the people who take risks, but they're also the ones that are the the I would call it the lifeblood mm-hmm. of our society, our island. And I want to make sure they recognize that, number one, they are supported. But number two, the government knows that not everything is perfect. Right. But you must use your voice. Mm-hmm. You must go ahead, whether it's writing to be a premier at gov.bm, whether it's speaking to the various ministers, speaking about the things that are your challenges that you have, and know that you have a government that has been responsive to those concerns and will continue to be as responsive as we can be to make sure that Bermuda is a better place for entrepreneurship. The minister has entrepreneurship inside the economic development strategy. I know that the BDC will deliver on those pledges. I know that with the expansion of the economic empowerment zones and the other benefits that are coming, I want entrepreneurs to feel confident Mm -hmm. that we are in a growing economy. There is an opportunity to take risks, to invest, and to succeed, and to build your business. Well, you know what? We minded some business today. (laughs) I'm very pleased that you were here. Thank you so much for sharing a bit of your time with me. And thank you for minding your business with us. And remember, if you don't mind your business, who will? Absolutely. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to Mind Your Business with me, your host, Jamila Lodge. Tune in next week, Thursday at 4 p.m. Because if you don't mind your business, who will? Mind Your Business is brought to you by BEDC. Bermuda business starts here.